So generally I, I started this video chat series. It was originally sort of a satire on, on the idea of video chatting and then it, it um, played well with the, with the COVID theme. Um, but the objective of it is really to, to gather as much information as I can about how different places and different sectors of the real estate space are being impacted as a result of COVID. Um, and generally people seem to be of the opinion that, that it's our duty as consumers and as, as professionals to work together to, to overcome this new set of challenges. And I felt that, um, you know, having the right information is, is helpful in, in accomplishing that goal. So firstly, I'd like to thank you for joining me and providing insight. Um, and, uh, and then for those who, who don't know you, I was wondering if you could just do a quick introduction of yourself and then we can kind of um, spiral out of control from there on, on a, the dialogue of, uh, of how things have changed. Yeah, so I'm Monica Rao. I consider myself an urban planner, uh, community builder, and I also have my real estate license, though it's not active. Um, I currently work for Ratio City, which is a data analytics platform for land use professionals. Um, and I had just graduated from my MBA in December, uh, jumping back into the workforce. So <laughs> thank you very much. Um, so happy to be back in the workforce and still in the real estate space. Awesome. Um, I guess you've, you've kind of touched a lot of different areas in, in real estate um, throughout your career. And, uh, and it seems like you have, you have quite the academic background as well. Um, have you, the, the place that you're at right now, have, have things changed, would you say more or less by comparison to some of the, the insight that you're getting from others in the industry and in, in previous, previous positions like CB as an example, or. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Um, I'm thankful personally in the way that I actually have always been working remotely. Right. So from that perspective, I think we are luckily or lucky as a technology company. For sure. Um, in that respect, but of course, everything's changing drastically for everyone. I mean, even individual roles are changing and um, expansion plans, for example, mine are changing. Um, so yeah. I, I would say we're equally as in shock. And I think that's more what's getting people's because this is so unfamiliar and sure. uncharted territory. And, and we're really just trying to adapt and figure out what's next. Yeah. The uncertainty, I think, is really killing everyone. <laughs> For sure. And that, that's really yeah. what it is, right? Like, and that's, I think at the beginning, it, it, it really manifested itself as fear because it was like a fear of the unknown. And then you got through like the, I think we were just talking about this prior to recording, but you get through the first two weeks of it and it, and it kind of sucks. And then you realize, okay, you know, I could survive. I survived the two weeks of it. I could, right. I could do this for, you know, indefinitely, I guess, because that seems to be the, the timeline right now. Right. Um, but really though, we don't know, like <laughs> there's no information now. Yeah. To be like, okay. Let's clarify. This is a three-stage process. Yeah. Even though the board has come out with this general reopening strategy. We, we have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And it's, it's, it's variable as well. Right. Like, the reopenings uh, are dependent on hitting certain targets of, of the, you know, the process of, of flattening the curve, I suppose. So it, it, it is very, very arbitrary. And we're also depending so much on, on other people, uh, which is how the economy functions really. But, but when it comes to a social or health crisis, all of a sudden it's, it's a lot more difficult to, to wrap your head around. Totally. And, and it's serious too, right? Like we, there is fear. There yeah. will be for a while. And that's also a question of the future. And, and I really have, I'm so curious about that because 
yeah. normal will never be normal yeah. again. No, yeah. for sure. I think things are going definitely going to be uh, very different. For yeah. I, I think it would be comparable to you know your your two thousand eight post two thousand eight or, or even like post nine eleven world, right? Like th- there's going to be a, a meaningful change that we'll be describing to our kids in in ten years. Right. You know, oh, what back back before COVID happened. Yeah. Um, and admittedly during that, I mean, oh wait, I, I was just simply too young. I wasn't in mm-hmm. really the workforce yet. Right. I was yeah. still in education and I suppose I don't really recall it hitting the family that closely. So no. I, yeah, I personally can't speak on it, but so this is really the first time that I've experienced yeah. something like this and it's wild. Yeah, no, it is for yeah. sure. Um, one of the big themes that I've been drawing out of a lot of these conversations is how people are leveraging technology um, as a result of this, like, it seems like this is, and, and this might actually go well with, you know, as a segue from what we were just discussing that, that meaningful change, like, especially in the real estate space where things are, are very archaic, um, and in the development timeline as well. Um, this seems to have surfaced as almost a, a, a paradigm shift or a catalyst to showing the old boys that, you know, you can meet without meeting people in person or what <laughs> I love that you're saying this. <laughs> yeah. How, yeah, these are my words. So, um, the, how are how are you finding as a technology pr- provider that touches that 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 world? Um, how are you finding that the impact as a result of of COVID? Yeah, I think you have a great point. There is this is a dinosaur industry, real estate yeah. in general. Um, it to me personally, it hasn't changed that much over the yeah. last few decades. Yeah. So I think this disruption is very much needed. Um, and like anything, I think the situation is expediting a lot of things that should have occurred as we were saying, um, much earlier. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think people are learning how to adapt to not having in person. Although I will say, I think like many industries, relationships are so important and in person is where maybe you feel the most confident and trustful to others. Yeah. Um, so that, that will have an impact, but we are learning to depend more and more on Zoom calls and Slack and other communication tools that previously, actually we probably even didn't have subscriptions to um, and and didn't necessarily believe that that was possible. Um, And so it's kind of nice to see that, and I'm I'm really, really hopeful (laughs) that this will actually uh, transform into our future workplaces and whether that's being able to work remotely part-time, I don't think, it necessarily should be full-time. I don't think it has to do that full switch. Right. Um, but I think these tools should never go away. Yeah. I think they should always be accessible. And if anyone needs to, they should be able to plug in and have a meeting, no matter yeah. how important or unimportant it may seem. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these tools are really important. And I think they're going to come through a lot more. Um, and, and it's just proving to everyone that this really is possible. And we can also be productive if not more productive than maybe what we were in the office when we had so many meetings and so many confrontations that yeah. we couldn't necessarily control it's it's really interesting that you say that and you use the word productive because i i just spoke with uh, brett llewellyn thomas from um uh, he's at nova ridge now um and he's a colleague of mine from from guelph as well um and he was saying that that it seems like actually the 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 consultation process of all of your engineers and throughout the, the development, uh, you know, your soft cost phases of development actually seems to be more productive now because there's less coordination. There's less logistical challenges. Like I had thought that it was such a, an intimate and, and collaborative process that you needed that face to face, but, and to be pointing at your drawings, et cetera. But 
I guess I was completely wrong in that assumption. Um, and, I, and I thought that that was a really interesting insight. Um, I also think that on the, the you hear about this, this concept of temporal flexibility from uh, a researcher named Sylvia Golden at Harvard University. Um, she talks about temporal flexibility. Basically, she does a lot of research on like the gender wage gap. I don't really dabble that much in that stuff, but she it's just uh, it's just basically the idea that um, you know people are pers- uh, people will pursue um, and that she would apply the gender bias to it, but people will pursue um, careers that allow them for the flexibility of of the workplace. And I think that our generation, like I think that you could apply an age lens to that too. Um, do you think that that the like if if we do see lasting change to the way that we interact with the central business district with you know your financial cores with office buildings that 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 will have a lasting change on the way that we consume space like yeah i do i mean like i said i'm not an active realtor anymore so this is not speaking from experience but i mean in general we're already seeing the vacancy rates and that you don't necessarily have to have to be in that office space. Um, I'm already reading that there's going to be such apprehension and rightfully so also legalities on the internal side on how people are spaced yeah. now going forward once we reintroduce people into the office and that's going to be so important. I mean, sure. I would be terrified <laughs> to go yeah. in a workspace and I'm very fortunate to your point. I actually love the role that I'm in because I do have flexibility and I can work remotely essentially from anywhere Uh, though I'm expanding in Vancouver, but um, that was one of the main um, reasons too for that, right? Like that was really important to me. I think that's really important to a lot of people, particularly of our generation. Um, And I I mean, anyone, I I think that's a a high concern for people is what does office space look like? How am I keeping safe? do is this permanent like how do we balance this new remote work what we've learned that we actually could be more productive but also recognize that we do need to be in the office space um i think some industries more than others like you said like maybe um legal and banking i think there's maybe a lot more in-person work and um meetings and and among council that might have to be done in person Mm -hmm. um i know the cities are really struggling with that too especially when it comes to community engagement um, there's always going to be an element of in-person that you will want um, yeah. and, and that the public will crave, right? Um, so I'm not sure, but I, I think it'll be a matter of industry first. And yeah. in terms of reopening to it, it might even be a matter of, I don't know if it's age group or vulnerabilities, but yeah. there's going to be a certain pattern that will have to be followed. And for sure, there's going to be a general loss of office space. I, I can guarantee it. I just, to me, it seems like a pro on all sides right? Employees are open to it. And I think it's been over the years evident that they actually want that lifestyle. And, um, and now we've proven that it works. So yeah. And employers can save, right? So yeah, it's interesting. Did you, did you see what Cushman and Wakefield put out from their Netherlands office, the floor mats that, that, uh, allow you to, to apply social distancing in the office? Oh, did they put up floor plans? I want to see this. Yeah. So basically it's like a, it's like these big, um, mats, like carpets or rugs that you put under all the desks that like draw circles of where you like yeah it's pretty interesting um stuff like that though really yeah yeah Yeah. i i do have a curiosity as to what like i I know that we're gonna see you know some people um i guess consuming less office space but then also or or but but also then your demand for space per person 
increases, right? So my curiosity is whether or not we'll see a net increase in the demand or a net decrease in the demand because you need more space to keep people spaced out, but maybe right. less of it because to protect the bottom line or because you're rotating shifts or whatever, right? So right. Yeah, yeah that'll, be, yeah, that that'll be really interesting. Hopefully we have some really good uh monitoring strategies so that over yeah. the years we can follow that and for sure. We're we're obviously in the midst of creating the new office space, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you, I guess on that note, do you, do you expect that we're going to see more change in the short term? And again, obviously like this is a, a little bit of a forecasting question. So um, <laughs> I'll, throw the I'll throw the, yeah, I'll throw the disclaimer okay. out there that, you know, you know, neither of us are economists, but do you think that things are going to change more in the short term, at least from your lens, like in the consumption of space in, you know, the way that you guys are doing business or, or the way that you're advising your clients and, and they're developing properties as an example, or do you think that things are more likely to return to normal, um, that would be like the next step. Like, do you think that this is sort of, let's say the peak of the, the challenges that we're facing? And, and it might not even, you could answer that question anecdotally based on feedback that you've received from clients if you wanted as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, optimistically, I'd like to say that we're at the peak now and we will not deal with any challenges, but that's not true. Right. <laughs> um, I do think as in shock as we are and as terrible as the situation is, I think we're going to see overall in a bigger picture more challenges or impacts in the longer term following this than we are right now. Right. Um, and that's only because as we were just discussing, when we start implementing, you know, introducing people to the workplace and all of these adaptations that we now have to change our entire policy framework to follow to also go into the future, because even with planning your it's vision planning, right? You're forecasting. Yeah. So it's always going to be what's next. And that has already changed. We can't really use the past anymore because that's essentially irrelevant for a lot of things. We can't even use what's currently happening because we don't know. So it's only going to be how we start to change and how we carry that through in the future so that we continue to provide safety for people. We continue to provide people with the ultimate lifestyle that they want, but also balancing with optimally being, um, economically smart like it's just there there are so many factors right. um and i think that in the long term three five seven and even the next decade looking at it i think those are where we're going to have to be really smart and wise about the strategies that we're implementing that we're constantly changing to make sure that this ultimately doesn't really happen again right or that yeah. we're at least mitigating something that could happen again that's very catastrophic so yeah. um as we see these trends i hope that more information will come out to us that we can actually use um, to be proactive about these things. Yeah, uh, that's, that's great insight. And I think that, I mean, now this thing's on everybody's radar, right? Like acknowledging it as a risk. And obviously it was on Bill Gates's radar this time last year, but um, <laughs> I think that they're, they're, you're right. They're going to we're going to have to, to make some meaningful change to, to mitigate this ever happening again, or, or to, or at least be able to, to deal with it in a meaningful fashion so that the show can go on. Cause I think gradually the economic challenges that result from this could, could uh, be just as, as difficult as the, the health challenges and social challenges. Right. Um, do you find yourself giving, I want to touch a little bit on, on, on what you guys do as well, like on the data side of, of development and yeah. like that. Um, do you find yourself, sorry, I just kicked my table. Um, do you, <laughs> Do you find yourself like, is there any general advice that you find yourself giving to clients like in a client interaction or other people in the industry 
on how to deal with this as, as an organization or as uh, an individual. Um, is there any sort of insight you can provide on, on what you, you seem to be, I, I guess, how those conversations seem to go? Yeah. Um, I think we feel very lucky that we are a technology platform and we're able to help in these situations. Um, it gives you a lot of hope to be able to bring in information and actually make it useful for people. <laughs> um, what's great about it is that there's a lot of people now that are working with open data um, and big data and creating or at least trying to create solutions. Yeah. Um, and so we actually recently did um, a sidewalk with SMAP um, based on the open data from the city of Toronto and we're featured in the Global Mail, which we're really excited about. Um, yeah, but, but things like that, that we're able to produce and help in any way that we can to actually see patterns, not just on a block by block, but citywide, regional, to be able to see things at scale, I think really helps people, especially now when we're all kind of in this trauma stage, right? And I think um, reliant and evidence-based data is something that you can really put hope into and it for me anyway it really comforts me I, I really like I data agree. I like the, yeah I like things that I'm able to be like okay you can you can see a pattern there are, there are ways that we can get around this and um, be smart about um, active transportation in the city and um, how we might be able to use that to better plan in the future so um, yeah we're hoping we can do more of that not only with the public but also um, agencies that we are currently working with like the city of Toronto to better plan for the future Right. I think that that's, that's an awesome um, byproduct of what you guys do, like in, in interacting with the real estate space. It's cool to see that in being presented with a challenge like this, you can leverage the, the, the data that you guys are using to work on, on, again, like, I guess the big challenge that we're all facing, which is how do we, how do we do this, especially spatially? Like, how do we do this in, in the physical environment to, to protect everyone, to continue that, um, progress that we've made as, as an economy, especially in like housing development, et cetera. Um, so that, cause that's, that is such a big part of our GDP that it's obviously necessary to, to try and keep things uh, running smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there always will be questions now about the safety aspect of it and the viability. Um, so it's nice to be able to provide some sort of context of that. Right. Does there seem to be any, any changes like in the, viability analysis of projects and, and I don't know if this is, is too in depth for what you guys are doing, but are, are people looking at like, I'm, I'm assuming when people are coming to your organization, really looking at maximizing an existing site. Right. But when you're, when you're looking at, at groups or when you're working with groups that are in, in the process of acquiring land, does it like, are we, does it seem like we're seeing a trend towards like sort of uh, best case, worst case analysis rather than sort of that, that bull case? Like, does it look like there's a little bit of fear or speculation on the negative side priced in or apparent um, as a result of, of these changes? Like, Yeah, that's something actually I've been wondering too. I'm afraid to say I think it's a bit too early right. to even speculate that. I imagine it, it will be the case. Um, and you've even seen some large acquisitions maybe hold off. Um, Google's been doing some hold offs on its real estate yeah. uh, that it's supposed to acquire. So I think on a, on a smaller scale, I, I can't directly answer that, especially in the Toronto context, but sure. I do think that that's probably coming. Um, I think people are more right now just on a solid pause. Right. Um, it's more for the sake of 
we're on this hold because there there is just that much uncertainty that we just don't know. And until we at least have a better idea or a timeline or when this vaccine's coming in so we can slowly understand how this whole shift of the new normal will come into play. Right. Um, I think we're just, we're all just really hoping that we can figure it out in you know the next few weeks or months so that we can continue on um, with whatever that new normal of business is for right. everyone. So um, it'll be interesting to see that, but I don't have an answer for you. Right. That. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond what you mentioned, you guys are already doing. Do you, what other ways do you think that, that the real estate industry can leverage data solutions like you guys are, are using to make better real estate decisions or to solve this, this new set of challenges, especially. Yeah. Um, I think the cool thing about our platform too at ratio city is that, um, our clients are able to also overlay their portfolio of assets, um, which I think is really useful for them because they are able to then go in and filter certain criteria or layers that are useful to, to them for these sites or whether it's existing or um, future acquisitions that they're looking at. Um, and then it, it's kind of, it puts it in their hands, which is really nice because I think a lot of people, even though there is open data available to everyone online through every municipality, um, it's, it's really the question of what to do with it right. and how do I use it and what's most valuable to me um, so that I can use it in the best way for my company and for whatever's upcoming even. And it's, it's hard to see that foresight, right? To, to gain yeah. a certain insight that you're looking for for your teams is difficult to do. And that's why we're so pleased to offer something like that um, that maybe is really hard to conceptualize. Right. Um, so trying to create that visual and those options for clients um, is what I most enjoy about seeing from our platform. Right. Um, I think the other really cool thing is, at least for me, and maybe this is just a nerdy thing, but I love 3D. Right. Um, anything that helps you visualize yeah. something, uh, especially on a grander scale and up against um, precedence or what have you, um, is really cool to see. And hopefully that will also help people just in terms of, okay, data maybe isn't just, you know, text or code or I can actually see this like this is this is real and this is the trend that I'm watching in front of me happen yeah yeah that's you know, it's uh interesting to think in that way I, I've always thought it was funny as well that you know it's such a spatial uh concept that we use in, in real estate and especially now with the, the verticality of it which I learned is actually a word now um but, yeah i don't know i saw it in a show she was talking about new york i can't remember now but anyway um felt compelled to use it yeah um i i've always just found it funny how we're still using you know 2d so much and and there, there's so much available uh for for developers to to interact with space in, in different ways um totally and in our industry you have to admit totally visual yeah you for sure I, I you have to yeah 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 i think that a lot of people really want to like, especially from the finance side of things that, you know, you really want to apply that scientific and numbers based lens to it. But I think that it's such a design based thing right now, especially with how competitive it is in, in the space that I, I would totally agree with you. It's, it's such a visual thing. Yeah. It's almost like old school PowerPoints, like summarize it for me nicely, but give me yeah. the juicy stuff at the bottom in the appendices. So yeah. I can yeah. <laughs> um, what do you, what other like, lasting changes do you think we're going to see as a result of this this sort of uh I, let's call this a test run that we're seeing with technology's ability to to really interact with the real estate space like is there any other trends that you've noticed that you 
might not have thought of or, or might have anticipated um, and, and that have kind of come on in full force as a result of us having to, I mean, obvious beyond the obvious like zoom or, or whatever it is, but I think we're going to see some, some stuff in, you know, 3d virtual viewings, et cetera. Does that seem like a, that, that'll kind of take off or do you think it's, it's more of a, it's mm-hmm. still, still a little early. I, I think and hope that 3d is the new norm now. Yeah. Um, I think it's really powerful and there's no reason why we shouldn't be using it. Yeah. Um, so that will be, I think, very prevalent across the board eventually. Um, Zoom has been really common. I think a lot of companies I've spoken to still don't use Slack, but I think it's a great tool. Right. Um, I think the tech industry is very much familiar with it, but it may not have been so important in the past in traditional industries, especially in development and real estate. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it is a great tool or, or Microsoft Teams or what, any of those platforms. Yeah. Um, I think a company will have one of those in place so that they are equipped to handle whatever yeah. might happen in the future. So that is a change for sure, because I think prehistorically companies may not have seen the value in investing in such a tool, right? Yeah. Um, unless something like this happened. Um, there's also kind of a, a broader scale that I've been noticing. Like I think on the topic of things being expedited, um, faster than they normally would have. Um, I think a huge change more so than the private side is the public sector. Um, and how, because they, from, I mean, from my knowledge, I, I've never really worked in the public sector in a full-time basis, but, um, I had noticed like they don't they don't really have these tools and they didn't have them in place, right? It is a very right. traditional sector. Yeah. Um, so it would be really interesting. I think the the onus is very much on them now yeah. to embrace technology and finally change their systems. Um, so I'm actually really interested to see what that looks like. And that could be anything from internally to how they're dealing with not all their their employees, but also the public, like right now, every city, including the city of Vancouver, is really struggling with how do we move forward with these public engagements when we want to continue implementing our um, policies and policy changes. And they don't want this on hold forever. It it can't be on hold forever. And actually, now than ever, these people have the time to actually put in their their voices and thoughts. Um, So it'll be really interesting to see how they shift. Um, It'll be interesting to see even how they work in terms of like transportation issues. I'm not sure what it's even looking like in Toronto. I assume it's similar, but most people, because they're home, their ridership is down. TransLink here is down 83%. They're trying to figure out how to cope with that, but also how to bring people back in. And the city has always had a huge emphasis on transit here and they've done really well. But after this sort of occurrence, how do you convince people even more to use transit and to trust the system? Right. Um, and even with street design and um, there's a lot of great um, initiatives being done by both Toronto and Vancouver now about uh, curbside extension and pedestrian transportation, which is great. Yeah. Um, but there's so many policy relations and intricacies to these changes that yeah. I think the municipalities and the public sector really are going to have to sit back and embrace a lot of things differently. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, I'm I'm just running through scenarios in my head now as you're describing this because I never really thought about that and it, it is it is very inter- intricate like you know if if the public transit ridership uh, gets ported over to 
vehicles, then then that also creates a challenge for extending your your sidewalks. And so there's a lot of moving parts in that. That I'm I'm glad I'm not the person who's tasked to solve that problem. Oh my goodness, there's so much. And then if you're talking about pollution, and then people are driving their personal vehicles again. Yeah. This pollution that they've been trying to work towards zero emissions, yeah. which we actually have been doing a great job of on the West Coast. Yeah. Well, now your climate emergency action plan isn't so. <laughs> it's yeah. just everything is so affect. It's insane how everything yeah. is so interconnected. It is interesting to see though. Like I, I never really even thought about the the role that the municipal government could have in really solving a lot of these problems, or or especially economically, like you just described, yeah. right? Like the, it, with the, I understand that these are big public sector groups, and they don't often have the agility nor I guess as much of a protection towards the bottom line as, as you would see in, in the public sector. Um, but the, I would agree, I think that, that seeing changes in their space and leveraging technology could actually really um, provide a lot of value for creating greater efficiency in, in the development uh, process in the future. And I, I honestly never even acknowledged that prior to this conversation. So I think that's, that's incredible insight. And I, I do have to give um, credit because the city of Vancouver and all municipalities across Metro Vancouver, yeah. um, all 21 have actually opened up since this started, have provided their employees for the most part, if they can, um, with abilities to work remotely and have always stayed open for development applications to continue online. Nice. Yeah. Does it, have you noticed then in that respect, like, was there a, is there a quantifiable um, decline in the productivity as a result of that, or is it, does it, it seem to be, be pretty steady? Right? I'm not sure yet. Yeah. I'd be curious to know. Cause I, I like, it's easy to quantify things like construction, et cetera. Um, like, you know, okay, we're building 30% slower, but uh, with the processing time, I guess it's such an arbitrary number to begin with, um, with the process yeah. of these developments, but that's, it's, it's really interesting. I, I'm going to have to think more about that one and, and maybe we can <laughs> resume that conversation on Twitter or something. Um, it's a great conversation. I think in, in a few months, especially when it will be very telling. Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot of things that at play too. It's not necessarily just on the city, right? It's also, um, rules around construction sites now and, and yeah. all the other things that, uh, a developer thinks of before even applying. So <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. Are you, it's actually on that note, would you, do you think that now, like, do you think that these considerations are going to be, have an impact on the way that people are thinking about developing? Like, are they going to say, okay, you know, if I got to, if I got to spit this out and we deal with another uh, COVID, it, you know, I might want to build it this way so that I know that I can, you know, we can still run things with one guy per suite or whatever. Um, does that, like, is that kind of thinking coming in or is that still too early? Mm-hmm. Um- I, I would think so. I mean, when I was previously working in development, um, a main core of your business, which is so, so important, is due diligence. Yeah. And I would say that the there was a webinar that I was listening to from the Urban Development Institute here, and I forget the exact number, so I can't give you stats. Okay. Um, but it was something like the amount of time that developers are putting into due diligence now is two or three times what it used to be. Right. Um, and we were already so focused on that. So um, what we also pride at, at Ratio City too is being able to provide developers, planners, whoever it may be working in land use, yeah. um, provide them with that tool that whatever it may be that they need to look into for their due diligence, because we realize you're spending that much more time on it. For sure. We want to be able to provide that to you. And I think 
that's going to be really valuable. Um, I think that's huge. Like I was actually going to ask as you, uh, but, but I'm, so I'm glad you mentioned it. Like how, how, how much, cause like, I'm just thinking, you know, yeah, you can find all of these things online anyway, but, but the aggregation of it for guys searching across multiple municipalities, across so many different secondary plans now in these urban areas, like it just becomes, and it's so much work. Like, as I do it a lot, I'm, I'm often front loading a lot of that for my clients. You know, if they're doing a land development, like they, they want to know before they pay a planner, they want, they want me to answer some of those questions. Right. It's a lot of digging. It really is. I mean, I'm a planner and sometimes I am so confused at certain websites and having to go through several links and not able to find things. So, um, yeah, I think the aggregation is really important and, um, how you're able to use that to produce analysis for you. And even if you're, let's say running into, a, I don't know, a council municipal meeting, a partnership meeting for a JV, anything, um, you have these things at your fingertips that would have maybe taken you hours, if not days. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can do it in five minutes to help you. And I think that that's really important, especially because so many things are changing now. And um, I think we're, we're all pivoting a lot more with our business model or our acquisitions plans than, than ever sure. before. So For I think sure. that's, that's really important. Yeah, I would agree. I think that the competitiveness of, of acquisition in, in urban areas and especially Toronto right now, like it, it requires you to be looking at so many sites. Like, whereas before, you know, you could, you could take out the laser, you could pinpoint the site that you wanted to go after. You could do all the due diligence and not have to worry about somebody else beating you to the punch by the time you were ready to make a decision. And now, you know, guys are looking at 10, 20 sites before they, they pick their next development. Right. And you like that, it, like you said, if, if you're, if they're spending now three times the time and doing three times, let's just say three times the amount of looking uh, and evaluating sites, that's like an astronomical change in, in, in a, in a drain on resources. So I, I it's it, it really impressive. I'm definitely going to check out what you guys are doing. Like, cause I think from, from a real estate perspective, um, brokers could, could massively leverage this to promote sites as well. Yeah. And we do have broker clients as well. It's, it's definitely something, um, that we found on an individual basis is even helpful for them. For sure. Um, but do let me know if you want to demo. I will. I'm, I'm going to, I, so take that as my, uh, as my letting you know, I'm going to ask you to demo. Okay. Right. Um, is there, is there anything else you, you want to discuss that you feel like, uh, could bring value to, to people in the real estate industry? I'm honestly, I'm, I think I'm just as curious as everyone else. Yeah. Um, no, that's why it's nice to just have these, these chats, right? Just to figure yeah, out what the hell's yeah, going on. on your, I think I agree with your theme the most that um, just working together and sharing information is probably the number one thing that yeah. we should and can rely on right now yeah. um, because it's only going to help us and calm us down really and yeah. make us feel better and um, make us better decision makers, I suppose, for the future, right? I mean, we're all in this together anyway, and we're all kind of in the same boat. Um, And we're only going to be able to move forward if there's even more openness and transparency. I know there's still some silos across certain industries, so it would also be nice if this um, kind of allowed us to open up more with each other. Um, Like we said too, information's out there. So it's, it's not really a matter of keeping that to ourselves anymore. I think we can be really open and share that and um, just try to create better value for everyone uh, through that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 at the beginning, I thought it was kind of like very woo woo, like Tony Robbins to, to be saying like, we're all in this together, but I, I like, Some people probably still agree with you. Yeah, but, and, and, and every time it comes out of my mouth, it feels weird because it's just not very characteristic of me, but I, I really truly believe that this is just, you know, like we've, it's been 
revealed to us how interdependent we really are and and how important it is for us to to figure out how to how to dig our way out of this because they're like and like you can't do that alone really like you know even if no matter how much cash you have on the sidelines and you want to play the market or whatever like we got to figure this whole thing out together you know yeah and nor would you want to we're we're so curious we want to know what others are doing and how they're adapting and that'll only better help us make decisions right yeah for sure no that that's been like I'm I'm actually overwhelmed with the feedback that I've had that a lot of people have just been really grateful to get like it, like the same way that that you and I find comfort in getting the the looking at things on a massive scale as a result of data right and seeing because like that I feel the same way it's like as soon as you can acknowledge something in a big way and and see that the the trend is there and it's verifiable and quantifiable by by data that that I'm the same way that gives me a lot of comfort but. And the other thing is like, you know, people are calling each other more than ever. They're talking to each other more than ever. They're just making sure everybody is okay. And I think that we, as a, as an industry, we hadn't really done that so much on, on, on a professional level, you know, is everything good at your, at your company? It, you know, how are you guys dealing with changes? Are you suffering? Like it's, is construction, are, are your are construction slow or people still showing up with deposits, et cetera. A lot of people really want answers to those questions. And even if it's a bad answer, at least they know it. Right. And right. Right. I do think that continues in the future Yeah, that we're actually, we just open up and we share. Maybe yeah. every company has some sort of like, like you're doing a podcast or yeah. some sort of video that will just say, Hey, this is where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of create a little bit of transparency there to just, just help people understand what's going on everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I want to be mindful of your time because it sounds like you're very busy and I, and I'm, I'm glad uh-huh. to hear that. Um, but, uh, is there anywhere that you would like, for people to reach out to you if they choose to, if they want to learn about Ratio City, um, if they want to just connect with you and pick your brain on on all the things that you're an expert on, um, where would you prefer that they contact you? Yeah, of course. Um, so they can always, of course, go to the Ratio City website. There's a bunch of information on the platform there. Um, I don't think my individual contact information is there. And I'm not sure, perhaps with this video, if you have a platform where I could post that for you. Yeah. Um, or I can yeah. provide my email address on here and they can yeah. reach out to me. No, yeah, I can, uh, I, I can put it in, uh, in the show notes and in the YouTube comments. I can just put your... your um, yeah, okay, awesome. Yeah, very open to feedback or conversation. Like you said, I'm really happy to have chats with anyone, whether they're in this industry or not, so... Yeah, yeah. okay, great. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. Uh, thank you very much for your time. And you actually gave me some really good... Uh, some light bulbs went off there. Like a lot of the, the things that I've been learning... You know, they 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 ultimately become conclusions of assumptions that I already had, and I'm I'm grateful for that. But but you you really got me thinking about a couple of different things, and I wish that I was prepared and I had prepared you properly oh. with, the, with the questions because I, I I I feel like I could we could have really uh, dug in there. But honestly, very well, insightful. We I really appreciate it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we I've scheduled a lot of follow ups with people because you know in in the early like early on in this we were making assumptions about things that were completely wrong. Right. And then we get to follow up and be like, okay, well, where were we right? Where were we wrong? Are we happy with how things are going? And, and, you know, so yeah, I'd love to do that actually, maybe in like a month or so. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been, uh, been very valuable for me. Thanks for having me. No problem.